Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Hello, friends, and thanks for downloading another weekly episode of the Money Girl podcast. My name is Laura Adams. I'm a personal finance expert and award-winning author based in Austin, Texas, and I've been producing this show since 2008. Last week, I brought you a 500th show special, taking you behind the scenes into why and how I got started podcasting over a decade ago and the amazing people who made and continue to make this show possible. So be sure to listen if you want to learn more about me and the origins of the podcast. My goal for Money Girl and my personal mission is to help you master your money so you can live rich and love the journey. If you've ever wanted to earn more money, diversify your income, broaden your professional experiences, meet more people, become a more interesting person yourself, gain confidence, and get more excited about your work, this show is for you. I know that sounds like a lot to promise in one podcast, but I'm speaking from experience on this topic. One of the most powerful ways to transform your personal finances and build long-lasting wealth is to start your own business. Some of you may have already spread your entrepreneurial wings. Some of you are thinking about it, but you also don't want to give up the stability of working for someone else. The startup life seems exciting, but it also comes with loads of risk and financial volatility that might not be the right fit for you or your family right now. No matter if you love your day job because the work is meaningful, you get a steady paycheck, you have great coworkers, or you're accomplishing a really cherished corporate mission, it's possible to also create a profitable business on the side. Today, you'll hear my interview with Patrick McGinnis, author of the international bestseller, The 10% Entrepreneur, Live Your Startup Dream Without Quitting Your Day Job. And true to his book's title, we talk about why you don't have to choose between your current career and becoming an entrepreneur. We discuss the upside to having both the stability of a traditional career and a side gig. For many people, including me, this combination is a really smart way to diversify income, expand experiences, broaden your network, and stay excited about work. Some of the topics we cover are the romance versus the reality of becoming an entrepreneur, how to get the benefits of entrepreneurship with none of the pitfalls, 
Why becoming a 10% entrepreneur often makes you more successful at your day job. Whether you should discuss a side business with employers or coworkers. The best types of business ventures and projects to choose for your talent, experiences, and lifestyle. And how to actually find the time in our very busy lives to create a profitable side business. And when bringing in partners and outsourcing to freelancers makes sense. This is episode number 501, called How to Create a Profitable Side Business and Keep Your Day Job. Okay, here's my interview with Patrick. Patrick, thanks so much for joining me on the show. Thank you for having me. Let's start out by talking about your book, The 10% Entrepreneur, Live Your Startup Dream Without Quitting Your Day Job. Great title. Let's talk about what a 10% entrepreneur is. What do you mean by that? So a 10% entrepreneur is somebody who spends 10% of their time and if possible, 10% of their money, investing, advising, getting involved with maybe even starting a new venture. So you start at 10%, you may do more, but the idea is to use that time to do things on the side without quitting your day job as a way to expand your income, to diversify against whatever could happen and some risks that could happen to your day job, to learn new things, to have fun, and to find out what it means to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's great. I have always been an entrepreneur in some form or fashion. Sometimes it's been 100% of my work. Sometimes it's 50%. And sometimes it's much less. Sometimes it's 10%. So I can definitely relate to this. And I'm interested why you wanted to write this book. When did you become a 10% entrepreneur or maybe even a larger percentage entrepreneur? So I never, I was a 0% entrepreneur for, and I never really anticipated doing much more than that, but I was sort of forced into it actually. I think a lot of times we make change in our lives because the universe makes us do things because things happen to us. And what happened to me was I was working in a very comfortable corporate job. Everything was going well. I was on Wall Street. Uh, And then in 2008, my company, which was part of AIG, blew up in the financial crisis. And I realized I had all my eggs in one basket. I was totally undiversified. And at that point going forward, I realized that I wanted to have financial independence no matter what happened to me. But I wasn't prepared to become a full-time entrepreneur. I didn't know what it meant to be an entrepreneur. I was afraid of it. I didn't know if I would succeed. And I didn't really feel comfortable living the volatile lifestyle that an entrepreneur has to live a lot of times. And so I thought to myself, what if I you know, keep my day job, but I sort of freelance as an entrepreneur, do things on the side, things where I can actually be an owner of something that can grow over time, that I can take everywhere I go in the rest of my career. I started doing this about five or six years ago with one project, one investment. That's built up to over 20 projects and all kinds of different industries over the last six years. What do you think are some of the benefits of entrepreneurship? I mean, that may sound kind of obvious, but if, if somebody is not in that world, what do you think is a benefit? And sometimes the benefits that we think are benefits end up to be disadvantages, you know, once you get into it. So maybe from the having the knowledge that you do now, knowing a little bit more or a lot more about entrepreneurship, What do you think are the true benefits of entrepreneurship, not just sort of what everybody thinks, oh, yeah, it would be great to work for myself and I could just work anytime and anywhere because that's not always the case. 
It's not. Entrepreneurship has been romanticized. And if you've ever done it, and you've done it, and so you know this, and it is not what you think it's going to be. It's, it's, it, you think it's going to be hard work. You don't realize that it's going to be the hardest thing you ever do, probably. And so for a lot of people who jump into it full time and realize how hard it is, it's sort of a rude awakening. But if you strip away all of that and look at really what it gives you, what I tell people and what my experiences have been is you get a bunch of things out of it. The first one is you do give yourself a diversification away from your day job. So, or, you know, it gives you the opportunity to diversify yourself, um, you know, financially from other things. But the idea is you are building something that is yours. It has nothing to do with other sources of income and it can grow as you put work into it and make it more successful. The second thing is entrepreneurs are owners of things. And so the real way to build wealth is not by being an employee, but be by being an owner of something. That's how you really generate significant personal wealth. And then the other one that a lot of people don't necessarily sort of list off in the, you know, first or second on the list is it just makes life more fun and interesting. A lot of us go to work every day. We work really hard at our jobs and we have a job description, but you know, you're a lot more than what it says on your job title or on your business card. You have interests, you have passions. And if you can find a way to integrate those things into a business that you can be an owner of, that can generate income and long-term value for you, it can actually be really rewarding. You can meet new people and you can find out sort of what you're made out of and sort of put yourself to the test. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with all of those. And I, I do think that even if you love your day job, in a lot of cases, you may not see a clear path for a future. You know, let's say you're an expert at something and there's, you know, you're kind of at the height of your maybe your career path and you kind of top out. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. You're probably, uh, you know, maybe making good money, but but you may not feel challenged. You may feel like, okay, what's the next step for me? And having side projects can be a really great source of kind of energy and motivation. And like you said, diversification. I, I love thinking about our careers as a portfolio. And if you can have multiple streams of income, that term has been used a lot. If you can have those multiple streams and those multiple even contacts, that is a way not only to keep yourself engaged and motivated, but also to make more money. Um, so, all right, so those are the benefits. What do you think are the cons? What's the downside of this? So the downside of entrepreneurship in general, not just talking 10%, but just writ large, is that despite the fact that you know it looks great from the outside, most new ventures fail. So about 75% of new ventures do not produce the expected outcome and 20 to 30% have no returns at all. You lose everything, right? So, so those numbers are pretty daunting. And if you think about it, say you quit your job and you go in full time and you put your life savings into something and the odds are that you're not going to get the outcome you wanted, it can be really scary. And so that's, you know, that's, that, that's, that's the biggest thing. The second thing is when you're an entrepreneur full time, it can there's a lot of sacrifices you make. So you make sacrifices in terms of working really hard. And so entrepreneurs can have higher divorce rates, higher rates of depression. Uh, you also oftentimes won't make a lot of money during the first years of running that business. So you know the average startup goes from the first financing to to, to the to the to sort of the exit uh, in about seven years. So. You may be doing very well, but you won't cash out for a number of years, and you've got to live on this startup salary for a while. 
And then the other thing is, um, you know, just it is also um, oftentimes uh, starting a new venture requires you to give up the comforts of your day job, the perks, that business card with that brand name on it. You know, you go to that the, the high school reunion and when you're a partner at a law firm or you're working in an established company and then you give that up to work for a company that has no track record and maybe nobody's heard of. It sounds, you know, maybe you don't think it's going to affect you, but a lot of people feel like, you know, it sort of hurts their confidence or all of a sudden people look at you differently. And, and that is definitely, a, you know, some people say, oh, that would never bother me. But it is actually one of the costs, the hidden costs of becoming an entrepreneur. Yeah, all of a sudden you really can't uh, lean on those successes that you've had in your career because you're still building something and and it's you have an uncertain future. And for some people, they really thrive on that. But as you said, it can be um, a bit a bit strange to see your identity change that much so drastically. So I love the idea of kind of slowly getting into entrepreneurship. If you're somebody who, let's say, doesn't have some major idea, you know, you're not somebody that wants to found the next Facebook or some huge, you know, you've got some huge startup in mind. Let's say that you're somebody that is just really interested in getting some side projects going. You talk about four different types of entrepreneurs in the book. Tell us a little bit about how those are different and and maybe some of the pros and cons of each of those and maybe any of those types of entrepreneurs that you've been in your career. Sure. Well, actually, there were five. So I'll give you a bonus one for today. Oh, great. <laughs> um, the first one is called the angel. And an angel is somebody who invests capital in exchange for ownership in a company. So it's the idea of somebody comes up with a great business idea. Maybe you're too busy to get involved in the day-to-day, but you love their idea. You have a little extra money to invest. And so you become an investor in their company and you can spend time on it and maybe you'll get involved, but you're not required to be involved on a day-to-day basis. So that's the angel. The advisor is kind of the same concept, but instead of investing instead of investing money, you invest your time for what's called sweat equity. So it's, you know, you have a skill or a knowledge or you have um, the ability to help this business. Maybe you can design their website or you can help them design their menu or all kinds of different ways to do that. And you get ownership in the business for doing that. The third is called the founder. That's somebody who starts and runs a company on the side as a 10% entrepreneur without quitting their day job. And oftentimes that's an on-ramp to going full-time. You test the idea out, make sure it works de-risk it before going in full-time. And in fact, many major companies that we know today, for example, Apple Computers, was started as a 10% by a founder. Then we have uh, two kind of subtypes of 10% entrepreneurs, the aficionado. Aficionado is somebody who has a passion. Maybe you love cooking, maybe you love photography, maybe you love fashion design, and you start a business that allows you to explore that passion, but in a profitable way. And finally, the 110% entrepreneur is somebody who's already an entrepreneur but uses 10% entrepreneurship to diversify themselves, to leverage all the context they have, to put the skills that they've learned as an entrepreneur to work to help other people. So those are the five types. I've done about four of them. I've been an investor in a bunch of companies um, all over the world. And to date, I've, I've made over t- five times my money back in cash. And on paper, I'm north of 20 times my money. I've been an advisor to companies where I give them an hour of time here or there, and they give me some ownership in their company. And you know, there's a one company that, uh, that I write about in the book where I gave them an hour a month for one year, and my stock is now worth about $250,000. Nice. 
Right? Not bad. That's probably the, I mean, that is certainly not my hourly rate. I wish it were, but it's not. Um, and then I've, I've been, a, I've not been a founder, but in the book I discuss, uh, for example, there's a, a woman named Dipali Patwa who was working in uh, New York City designing housewares, like, you know, bedspreads and things like that. She had a baby and she had this idea of coming up with these baby clothes that were based on the designs of India, where she's from. She made, you know, spent $5,000 making some mock-ups, went, spent some money to go to a, a trade show, sold out the first week. Eventually, seven years later, she's now full-time, has like four employees. Matthew McConaughey's kids wear her clothes and she's built a real business out of it. So, there's all kinds of great examples and, and what's so important and I think you know for those of you listening today is it's not that you have to be an MBA or work on Wall Street. I have people that I have talked about on my blog or in the book who are um, car dealers, who are uh, kindergarten teachers, who are executive assistants, who are doctors, who are lawyers, who are teachers, you, know, you name it. Um, anything that uh, anybody out there who has an idea for a side project can do this. There is no sort of uh, uh, requirement that you have a certain thing here or there. It's all about just finding an idea and getting started, dipping your toe, making, making uh, a good effort to get it started and going from there. Yeah, in the book, you talk about playing to your strengths. And I think that's so important because that's an area where you're just likely to have more success. You know, you're going to be able to um, have some efficiencies there. And I've found that if, if your day job overlaps in some way with your entrepreneurial work, it really kind of has this nice symbiosis where it's like your um, your your day job makes you better at your entrepreneurial work, and then your entrepreneurial work makes you better at your work at uh, you know your company. So it's this sort of cycle where the more experiences you get and the more you do, the better you get at everything that you do. So it sort of feeds on itself, and I think that's maybe a good way for listeners to think about how to get started. You don't want to uh, jump into an entrepreneurship path that's just like a 180 from what you're doing now. If you've got no experience and, you know, you're kind of starting completely from scratch, your odds of success are just not going to be as great as if you start with an area that you know and already have expertise in. That's exactly right, and and you can tell you've done this before because because when you do things that are related to what you're doing in your day job and what you're good at, you're just more efficient. Number one, you're more likely to be successful, and you also you generate knowledge and relationships and experiences that allow you to be more successful in the totality of your career. And the vast majority of people who are 10% entrepreneurs will never leave their day job completely to do this full time. Maybe they will, but most people just want to have more income, more stability, more experiences, more relationships, and to stretch their legs and, and find new things to do. But many of these people will take what they learn back to their day job, and they will be better for it, and their companies will be better for it as well. Patrick, what do you think about talking with your coworkers and your boss about your 10% entrepreneurial work? Is that a good thing to do or should we sort of keep it to ourselves? So it, it depends. One thing that's really important and that I and that I, I always stress when I talk about this is you don't want to do anything 
that is against the rules at work. So for example, if you have an employment contract that expressly forbids you from doing something, you don't want to do that. You don't want to be in the office using the photocopier on the weekend or using the company's you know, FedEx account to send things out. You really need to be respectful of your employer because your employer gives you the flexibility to do things on the side. Apart from that, as long as you play by the rules and you act in a responsible and I would say morally correct way, it's really up to you. So a lot of people who do 10% actually find that their coworkers are their first and best customers. Uh, they can also find partners among their coworkers. But if you're concerned that somehow you're going to send the wrong message at work, you don't have to broadcast it. You can certainly operate in an area that you feel comfortable with. Um, but I always tell people, and I, you know, the, there's a reason in the book I, I feature dozens, I think more than 35 10% entrepreneurs, and every person puts their full name because there's no reason to hide this. 40% of millennials have side hustles at this point. This is all happening. The train has left the station. And so therefore, you're really not doing something that's particularly uh, sort of aggressive or controversial. This is the wave of the future. This is where the world is going. And by being a 10% entrepreneur, I would argue you're sort of ahead of the curve. Yeah, I do think that some progressive employers and managers see entrepreneurship as a, you know, kind of a benefit. They see it as, oh, this is someone who has a, a an entrepreneurial mindset who is going to be thinking entrepreneurially in our business and in our company and can really help move the ball forward, maybe with innovation, creativity. So I think depending on the company's culture and the type of job you have, it can work to your advantage, but I, I agree, you've got to kind of play it by ear and see what, you know, what it's like in your, your company and your culture. You don't want to constantly be talking about your side hustle with your employees and your coworkers, you know, if it's going to reflect poorly on you or in any way they're going to think, oh my gosh, this person is so focused on their side business, they're just not here mentally during the day. And if, you know, if you're not really focused on your work, uh, people are certainly going to question your motivation. So it, it's got to be done uh, sort of in the right proportion and in the appropriate ways and, and times. Money Girl is sponsored by Claritin. If you're like me and you suffer from allergies, you know this time of year can be pretty rough. There's a lot of sneezing, itchy eyes, congestion, and they can really hold you back from living the life you want to live. Luckily, for those with allergies, you can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This is a product designed for serious allergy sufferers. It's got two ingredients in one pill that relieve allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combo of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant relieves all the symptoms that you suffer. And what I love about Claritin D is that it starts working in as little as 30 minutes. Plus, it's non-drowsy, so you can still make the most of your day. I can take Claritin D and then get on the mic and record a podcast without being too congested. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. 
a second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Patrick, tell me about how somebody is going to make the time to do this, because most people are going to say, you know, Laura, Patrick, this sounds great. I'd love to make more money. You know, having a, a, a side gig is great, but how am I going to find the time? I'm barely able to manage a full-time job right now. What's the key to getting started and, and kind of carving out the time to make this happen? Yeah, it's a very, it's a very, I think, natural and normal question. And it's one that I had as well. When I started doing this, when I remember, I remember I did my first one, I thought, you know, I'm a busy person. I got a lot going on. How will I have time for this? And now I've done 22 and I still somehow seem to find time. And and I think there's a couple of things that you can do. Number one, uh, you must select the type of 10% entrepreneurship to start with. You don't have to just stick to one type, but the one that you start with should be one that fits to the resources that you have. So if you have very limited time, being a founder where you're the only person running it all the time probably isn't a great fit for you. Being an advisor or an angel when you can when you can sort of design that to, to fit your life makes a lot more sense. And so the number one is being realistic about what kind of 10% entrepreneurship fits your life. Number two is, Uh, I I actually sat down and did a pretty careful assessment of how I spend my time and figured out what wasn't important to me and what I could cut out because we're all busy people these days. I mean, I I find I've not been bored since I got my iPhone some seven or eight years ago because anytime I have a free minute, I'm all of a sudden on Twitter or messing around on my phone. And so a lot of my dead time that I used to have is now gone. What I did when I decided to do this was actually I went home, I made a list of how I spent my time, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm watching probably 10 hours of television a week that I don't really want to watch. I canceled cable and made time available for my 10%. So there's little things like that. The other thing is, as we talked about before, the closer something lies to your talents and your interests, the easier it is to make time for it and the more willing you are to make time for it. So a lot of temper, I have this great example in the book of this guy named Hillier Jennings, who's a lawyer, corporate lawyer in New York City, m and I mean, this guy works a lot of hours, probably 70, 80, 90 hours a week. On the side, he started a company that makes bracelets to play the fight song of the University of Georgia. And he loves the University of Georgia. And so he gets home from his law firm job at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night and spends three hours working on this because for him, it's like a hobby. He enjoys it. It allows him to get closer to his alma mater, which he is absolutely obsessed with, by the way. And he's actually built a business that's making real revenue. So he sees this as relaxation. And that, if you can get there, if you can get to the point where work is relaxation, which a lot of 10% entrepreneurs tell me is the feeling they have, you've sure hit the jackpot. 
Oh, yeah, that's awesome. What about using other people to help you become more efficient, partners or outsourcing? Um, Do you think that a lot of the 10% entrepreneurs, perhaps in your book, are utilizing other people to accomplish their business objectives? Definitely. There's 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 a couple of interesting things here. Number one is you're absolutely right. So a lot of times people start something as a founder, for example, and it actually takes off pretty well, but they're not interested in leaving their full-time job at that point, or they can't quite do it financially. And so they say, well, what should I do now? And that's a great time to bring on a partner. Um, find somebody who has your interests or uh, complementary skills and get them involved and bring them on board because they can they can bring something to the table that maybe you don't have, but they can also give you time that you don't have to get going. So there's definitely that. A lot of people avail themselves of freelancers. You know, it's that freelancer.com to get that built that website up or a lot of technology tools, for example, Squarespace to get a website up or Etsy to sell something you've made. All of those tools, which did not exist, by the way, 10 years ago, have made it so easy for anybody to start a business and so cheap for them to start a business. And then, you know, the other thing that's kind of interesting as you think about this is the fact that, um, A lot of people who start to have success go to their employers and say, listen, I got a good thing going here, but I've also got this business I've started that's starting to take off. Would you be willing to let me work one day a week uh, on that project? And more often than not, your company will say yes, because many companies – (laughs) They actually have real trouble finding great employees. And so if you are willing to stay on and continue working with them, but, you know, maybe have a side project, you'd be surprised at how many times people are able to go part time, start working on that project that they have as their 10 percent and make it a 20 percent or a 30 percent. So that's another way of leveraging, I guess, yourself as a partner to do more. Patrick, where can listeners find out more about you and your book, The 10 Percent Entrepreneur? Okay, so first of all, um, my website is patrickmcginnis.com, M-C-G-I-N-N-I-S. And if you go to my site, you can actually take a quiz that shows you what kind of 10% you should be to get started. And you can download a free ebook with a lot of the uh, exercises that are in the book that help you figure out how to make time and money for the things that we've been talking about. It's at patrickmcginnis.com slash build your 10. And on my site, you can find links to uh, my YouTube channel, which has a bunch of videos explaining how to do this, uh, to my Facebook page, to my Twitter, and to all these other online um, uh, materials. And on my page also, I have a lot of uh, blog entries that, for example, will give you contracts that you can use, sample contracts that you can use to become an advisor. So check all that out. Find me online. um, And I love hearing from people who want to do this or are doing this. Patrick, this is great. I hope that we've sparked some innovation and maybe some creativity here for people to think about what they can do to create more income and have more fun, create a bigger network, and just expand your business horizons and and your career opportunities. There's so many upsides and very few downsides. Thank you. I I hope that all of you check out the book and um, you can find it at Amazon and other booksellers and and go out and do this because this, I really believe this is going to change the way that we work. And um, I want to hear your stories of success and I want to see more people doing this because I, I, it's really changed my life and I think it can change yours as well. I loved speaking with Patrick about this topic because I think the answer to many financial struggles is finding ways to earn more money. 
cutting expenses is terrific. So don't get me wrong. I don't want to downplay the power in taking control of your spending. But you can only cut costs so much. You can only cut a limited amount. On the flip side, the amount you can earn is limitless. In addition to more income, stretching your skills, creativity, and network gives you many unanticipated benefits. Here's a great quote from the 10% Entrepreneur. Patrick says, Entrepreneurship takes you to unexpected places. Building new things, meeting new people, and surprising yourself never gets old. So embrace the change to do something out of the ordinary. If you have thoughts or questions about entrepreneurship and you want to keep the money conversation going with a terrific community, join my private Facebook group called Dominate Your Dollars. To request your invitation, visit Dominate Your Dollars on Facebook or send me a text message for immediate access. Just text DOLLARS to the number 33444. I hope to see you in the group. And you can also visit lauradadams.com to email me your money question, feedback about the show, or ideas for future episodes. If you're enjoying the show, one of the best ways to let me know is to submit a quick five-star review on iTunes. I read every one of the reviews. They mean so much to me. And they also help new listeners find us and understand what the show is all about. So I'll thank you in advance for that. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week courtesy of Money Girl, your guide to a richer life. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.